Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the MTG Goldfish Podcast, episode 143, your weekly podcast covering everything Magic the Gathering related. You can find us on Google Play, iTunes, mtggoldfish.com, and now on YouTube. Joining, as always, the crew, Richard, the owner of MTG Goldfish. What is up, Richard? Hey, guys, what's going on? How's it going, Richard? Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, our resident jank brewer and all-around content creator. What is up, Seth? Oh, uh, not much, guys. How you doing this week? Not much. Doing well. We are in a fight to the death in, <laughs> in fantasy this week, that's for sure. Um, really awesome. Uh, Chaz, as always, content creator, focusing on the financial aspect of the game and all around Magic the Gathering. On the docket for this week, we have Worlds. Talk about the metagame, the top four. Congrats to William Huey Jensen for taking it down. Huge congrats. It was really great Magic played. Um... And uh, we'll talk about it. Uh, the production value, the commentary, um, and, you know, we'll just kind of wrap this all up in kind of a general Worlds thing. Uh, the, the thoughts on Worlds versus Pro Tour for debuting a new set, uh, how that schedule kind of um, plays out, what's what's working, what's not working. Uh, Magic Arena uh, came up, and uh, a new logo. So, uh, and if we have time, they, they announced a Commander Ban and Restricted announcement. So we'll just briefly touch upon that and Fishmail. So a lot to talk about. Let's just dive right in. Uh, everything Worlds, but let's talk about the metagame and the top four. Richard, take it away. What do you think? I did not like Worlds. If <laughs> Huey Jensen didn't go on a tear and create a storyline, I think this would have been one of the worst tournaments I've ever seen. Oh, the metagame. So the metagame was basically Raminop Red versus Teamer Energy, and some random blue-black control thrown in there. Uh, Search for Ascanta was kind of the breakout card for control. The other decks just looked like the other decks <laughs> before the new set. And so the metagame itself was not too interesting. There was nothing new. All the pros just played the good stuff. Limited was quite boring. Uh <laughs> What what I found funny was when they asked the pros what the keys to the format were, they were saying things like, don't be afraid to play cards you would never play otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) You know, not every card has to be like a home run. Like they were just basically saying the power level is really low and it's all combat tricks. It's all hyper aggressive decks. And I just felt day one and day two of Worlds was incredibly boring and then day three was the best tournament magic I've ever seen. Uh, the matches were really good. The games were really good. And the storyline was really good with uh, uh, Huey Jensen winning in his hometown with his parents present. So so I don't know. I, I was pretty down about Worlds after day one and two. But day three salvaged it a bit for me. So what, what did you guys think? Seth? So I have a lot of the same feelings that Richard does, actually. I guess... And I think it might be my fault. I think I maybe had unrealistic expectations with this being kind of hyped as the first tournament of Ixalan. I think in my mind, and we actually kind of talked about this on day one. We were like, oh, we should probably cover this and do round-by-round updates like a pro tour. And then we realized that Worlds is very different than a pro tour as far as what's actually happening. And you don't have the weird first round decks where people are playing the spicy things and they probably get crushed. But at least it's cool that you get to see new perspectives on camera or whatever. Like there was none of that. So I think it just felt like such a spiky tournament that 
it almost feels like a a tournament that's for the pros and by the pros, essentially. Like, if you want to see the highest level magic played very technically well, Worlds is great, but there just wasn't enough spice to really keep me enthralled and entertained throughout the weekend. So, But like I said, I think that was maybe my expectations of Worlds being not in the right place and expecting something that I probably shouldn't have been expecting. Yeah, we kind of met in the middle, and I think uh, Richard and I were discussing last week. Like, I was kind of, you know, hopefully we see something spicy. Richard was saying, you know, if we're going to see anything, we're going to see it at Worlds. So it kind of, we met in the, <laughs> Worlds kind of met in the middle for us, and here it is. Like, this is what people felt confident in bringing uh, to this standard format. Is it indicative of things going forward? I think a little bit. I mean, we still have some time in between now and Pro Tour that it's, you know, now that Pro Tour is pushed back. But I think still largely, like, Energy and Red are very safe decks to play. And it was obvious. I mean, there was 10 Energy, like, 10 Energy lists, like, 10 Red lists, and a couple of Control decks. Um, and I don't know. I mean, there was, like, four different deck lists. Uh, I believe it was Shada Yasuka. I'm probably butchering his name. But, uh, yeah, Shada. Um brought Grixis control. So there was like legitimately four decks. You had gr- blue, black, Grixis, red, and energy. Is that like not... Grixis is basically blue, black. <laughs> okay. You okay, can't count but... Shoda because Shoda just brings Grixis cards he likes every pro tournament. Like you can't really count him as his own archetype. <laughs> right. Even though he's a very great player, you oh, almost could. Oh, he's one of the best control players <laughs> yeah. in the world. So you almost but... could, but, um, but yeah. Energy and red is, is still going to continue to be great. So... I'm not, I wasn't too upset with it, but I think in terms of coverage, Seth, like for the third party, or the second party rather, because you have the Wizards coverage, and then you have everyone else kind of giving their own, per, you know, takes and, and coverage. Like when the deck lists are posted after the first round of standard, and basically it's like four or three deck lists, like what is there really to, to say? So yeah, <laughs> I guess I from that you... perspective, it was kind of um, a letdown, but. There was still a lot of great magic to be played. You nailed it right there. The uh, fifth round, so after one round of standard, they posted all 24 deck lists. And after slogging through miserable uh, draft, for me at least, (laughs) when they posted those deck lists, they took out all the wind in their sails, right? There was nothing to look forward to anymore. You saw immediately that it was a three-deck metagame. There were, like, barely any new Ixalan cards, there's nothing to look forward to anymore and kind of just zoned out at that point and you basically just wanted to watch Huey Jensen see if he can go 7-0 on day one and run the tables in Swiss. So posting the deck list too early, I think, was a a big problem. I agree. I mean, uh, again, it kind of took out a lot of the excitement, but, I mean, great magic was played. I I don't know if... So this is like kind of what we talked about. I I think you still want Pro Tour before anything. Um, when it comes to showcasing new cards in a new set. I, I, I kind of feel like you have the Pro Tour where it's just more people. There's more storylines. There's a chance for more kind of these wacky takes on deck lists or <laughs> something new. And then Worlds is kind of like the very keyed in, very you know small but fierce kind of gameplay where you might only have the three deck lists or something like that. I think you have to kind of set Pro Tour first. 
Yeah, I think the problem is when you only have 24 of the literal best players in the whole world for this right. season, they're all going to play the best deck. But when you have 300 or 400, including a bunch of PTQ winners and GP qualifiers, you're going to have some people that play bad decks. And those are the decks that people in the early rounds actually really want to see. Like, that's part of the excitement. Like, yeah, new perspectives completely scrubbed out but it was really sweet and it generated a lot of hype to see something different so i think that it just made ixalan look really bad like i think that's the biggest problem with world championship there were uh, if you discount lightning strike like two and a half cards from ixalan that saw any meaningful play like vraska's contempt uh search for his kanta and there's one other one that i'm not thinking of uh in the goblin deck maybe the one drop uh the one drop pirate yeah but that was not even, that was like the biggest splash. Like that, I think that had its own segment that someone was bringing in, wait, like, treasure red. And I was like, oh, this seems interesting. And then I saw the deck was, I'm like, there's literally four cards with treasure. Wait, like, it's <laughs> yeah. literally, it was the red. With, with four riggers. And I was like, okay, that's, uh, oh, I guess pretty cool. I but mean, I mean, you're absolutely opt. right. Showed up well, opt, opt. Yeah, opt was okay, but you're right. I mean, you have the top 10 cards literally right on the site not a single ixalan card other than lightning strike so and remember it was this is a rotation right this wasn't ixalan was a small set release we just rotated standard and ixalan couldn't make a big impact so not the storyline wizards wants to portray there yeah and energy showing that it's just a a very degenerative uh, ability like it's a it's a crazy uh alternative cost and it's it's a very overpowered two set block in a now very condensed standard i mean i'm definitely to the point where i'm ready to say that energy was just too pushed like i think at this point energy just in general was maybe not making energy was a mistake but wizards definitely pushed it a bit too far and made it a bit too good i think is pretty clear now the thing that concerned me most wasn't so much the three deck meta like i looking back on it that makes sense for this event that when you there's so much on the line as far as magic tournaments are concerned you're gonna do your best to win no matter what but um i think the thing that concerned me was just hearing some of the interviews and hearing the pros be like oh yeah we tested like so many sweet decks we tested tokens we tested these crazy decks but nothing can be like hazra and ramanan bread or nothing could be energy so it didn't give me a lot of faith that we're going to see a big shakeup come Pro Tour time a month from now. Not because of the meta, but because of what the pros were saying about their testing experience for this event. It's not like they just looked at the Moto results and were like, oh, okay, Team Energy's good, I'll play that. They actually worked really hard to beat these decks and couldn't figure it out. Yeah, and you're probably right. Another few more weeks isn't going to suddenly unearth anything new. Um, but it's not all about... You know, yes, Energy is a great deck, but, I mean, still looking at the top cards, there's a lot of Amonkhet cards, too. So, those two sets are working well together, and I think it's just we lost so many cards and only replaced them with one set of Ixalan in a set that is kind of really reliant on tribes and, and everything working together and having all this synergy. Just having the one set um, is, is showing itself. Um, and we talked about this, set, like, yeah, we're going to see some of the one-off cards... Basically just Lightning Strike. You know, you have a couple other cards. Hasha's Taker was actually missing uh, from this tournament. But you had a couple other cards here and there. Um, and that's that's pretty much going to be it when, you know, it just doesn't have enough in one set to, you know, 
kind of expand on. I don't know. I mean, I guess you know, that's just what happens when you have worlds right, you know, a couple weeks after the set releases. I, I understand that the pros have some time to, to brew this, but... So, I mean, I think my advice to Wizards would definitely be, when this comes around next year, just do the Pro Tour first. I don't yeah, think... Yeah, I think so, I too. don't think you want Worlds to be first. I think... I think it would be better to have Worlds be a month from now and have the Pro Tour be the first tournament when the meta is still somewhat up in the air, at least a little bit. So I think that that was maybe a mistake. I don't think it was wrong for Wizards to try something new. I think it's good that they're trying things. But I think now that we saw how it kind of worked with Worlds coming before uh, before the Pro Tour, I don't think it's really ideal. It's not a good way of showing off the new set. Fair. Um... Any, or any thoughts on commentary, production? Uh, the main thing that I took away was I thought it was overall very great. Uh, the, the, the two things was, you know, the printing, the deck list. I, I mean, I understand. It's fine. You know, they want content to, to have out there and printing the deck list for people to see. It was a smaller tournament, so probably it was okay to do that. Um, just made it a little boring for the rest of us covering it. But... Uh, the glare was actually a really big problem for me at points. Um, I, I literally could not see any of the cards. Um, and if I didn't already know what the cards were for them talking in, you know, for the commentary, you wouldn't, you would barely have any idea what's going on. They need to fix that. Yeah, day one glare was ridiculous. We went like five years back in coverage or something. <laughs> like, it wasn't just like, oh, there's some glare and it's annoying. You literally could not see anything. The card was just like a white spot of light. <laughs> uh, they yeah. fixed it for day two. They did. Uh, but I don't know why this continues to be a problem, given that there are 24 players. You can just literally have one guy resleeve all of their decks for them in whatever deck sleeves you need to not glare. So so that was a bit strange. Uh, what do you guys think of the Gummy Bear Trophy? I'm not a I'm not a fan of the trophy personally. <laughs> it looks like a big piece of candy. <laughs> Why? Uh, yeah, it's, it's better it's than the goofy. the clay art class one <laughs> for Pro Tour, but still not what I expect from you know the World Championships. You know, yeah. Super Bowl, Stanley Cup, and then Gummy Bear <laughs> Planeswalker symbol. <sighs> the glare was an embarrassment like i just i can't i almost can't believe that they let it happen like we've talked about this for two years now or something the glare being issues at pro tour tournaments and with this being such a small tournament and them really putting effort into the production value you could tell like they had music in the background whether that was uh, the right music choice or not like you could tell they were doing things they'd never done before to try to make coverage as good as possible and just to miss like such an obvious just like must nail type thing was pretty bad i was actually kind of embarrassed because didn't you tell me richard there was another uh, big championship happening this weekend for a game uh, but yeah league of legends worlds was, was happening during the same you, weekend could you imagine that happening in league of legends or at a hearthstone championship like i know it's different it's digital but there's like this minimum production quality. So I don't know. I was actually embarrassed on day one. I definitely give Wizards credit for fixing it on day two, but yeah. I still can't believe they let it happen to begin with on this tournament that they put so much money and effort into by Magic standards. Yeah, I think the thing with the trophy for me, I mean, I don't, that's not something like I personally, I guess it's 
not that great, but it's fine. It's more about like what to the what do they feel about it? Like if they started coming out and saying they they're the ones that need to say something. They're the ones that are winning the thing. So um, if they come out and say like, hey, listen, like you're gonna up the production value on like the up the the quality on some of these trophies, then I think they would do it. But I mean, it just something, looks unprofessional, like, right? Like, it does, but. Uh, uh, the, the other thing that really got to me was the overemphasis on the $100,000 winnings. <laughs> like, they, they would always, you know, every five minutes, there's a slide of the winnings, and they would <laughs> emphasize about first place winning $100,000 and it being a life changing amount. And I'm just like, it's, it's just so amateur at, like, you know, worlds is going on here with like I don't know eight ten million dollar prize pool. Here we are at a hundred thousand, and we keep talking about it like every three seconds. Like we should be talking about the prestige of being the best magic player in the world or something, and not emphasizing you know basically pocket change for you know when you compare it to the rest of esports. So I I felt like drawing attention to it was a bit weird, and they should have just summed up the whole prize pool to make the number look bigger. Like, you know, $500,000 of total prizes or whatever the actual amount is, rather than just saying 100000 in first place. Because you have all these other esports tournaments that are giving out multiples of millions in prizes. And then here you are, you know, stroking your back with the $100,000. And it just, it, it, I just felt the emphasis was in the wrong place. You should be emphasizing the best Magic player in the world rather than, you know, this prize. Yeah. At the same point, there... They're not near, like, anywhere near those other games in terms of, like, I get it, but what, I mean, they have to kind of emphasize something, right? I mean, if that's, if we're now at a point where this is a lot in terms of before, then I get that. But, you know, comparing now this to the the top of, like, East, the pinnacle of esports games, like, we're still, there's such a huge gap there. I, mean, I kind of just wish they paid him in treasure chests. That would have been <laughs> sweet. Like you get you get a hundred thousand treasure chests or something. Uh, the at I, I bet you oh if Watsi just started a Kickstarter for first place prize at Worlds, it would far surpass a hundred thousand. That's maybe probably true. I mean, I think John Avon just hit almost five hundred thousand dollars with his six thousand dollar was his goal for his play mats, and it ended up at least over four hundred, and it might have hit five hundred thousand. Yeah, they should sell like special edition world championship play mats with some like custom art, and then have twenty five percent of the proceeds go to the world championship, and then that, you, that you might can... actually. I think you're on to something there. I mean, that's what other games do with their digital assets. We can that's sell true. sleeves and play mats. Or yeah, it's like, like the... Uh, yeah, have it something like a BlizzCon ticket, something like that. Start ha- selling, like, digital tickets. You know, you get chat privileges or whatever. You get these little icons for the chat. You get, uh, like, this care package that's sent to, you know, whatever, for your Magic Arena account. Yep. Maybe they should start doing that. I think, actually, that'd be a really good idea. I will say, before it sounds too doom and gloom, I actually thought their coverage was very good. Like, I didn't like the glare, but I thought that it looked good, the announcers were good, and I feel like coverage has come a long way. So if you just discount the glare for a minute, I was pretty impressed with how they handled coverage this weekend. They've been really good. Um, I I can't... Well, we've been doing the podcast for so long, I I really can't remember a specific point where it was... Maybe a year ago now, maybe half a year, close to a year, that it was, it really started to trend in the right direction. I, I, I think it honestly was when they signed, 
uh, LSV to be kind of a focal point of this coverage because it's been incredible since then. Yeah, I think Maria on the desk is really solid. I really yeah, like too. Wiley Knight now. Uh, when he first came up, sometimes he got a little annoying, but I think he's found the sweet spot. Like, I love his calls, like, Lando Carissian off the top. It's, like, hilarious. <laughs> uh, top eight was getting awkward. Like, I think when you have Cheon, LSV, and Marshall in the booth, they're, like, such good friends that it gets super awkward. Like, Alice, so when uh, Josh Utterlayton, he, he uh, took a swift exit from the top four, and his mom had flown in overnight to, to watch him. And LSV just said, you know, I wonder if she can get a refund her for her flight. Oh, and it was just so savage, and you know they're best <laughs> friends, so he doesn't mean harm by it. But at the same time, it was just like so unprofessional, right? Like you, sh- you shouldn't bring kind of that friendship onto the stage. And same with Marshall, just blatantly cheering for Huey. Like, <laughs> like you know, as a as a commentator, you got to be neutral. You know, if you were a fan of uh, Javier Dominguez, that'd be super annoying, right? So. They need to tone back kind of the the in-crowd bit of it. But other than that, I think, you know, one of the best uh, commentary we've had for, for any event, actually. So they, they've gotten really good at commentary. And unfortunate that LSV is going back to being a player next year. So I don't know who's going to fill his shoes. I, I think um, Riley, Amaz, Chion, Maria, I think, um, and Marshall, I mean, I think they're all really gelling well together. So, yeah, it's going to be unfortunate. Uh, LSV just kind of brought this perspective and, you know, this kind of factor to the coverage that I don't think can quite be replaced, but the rest of the coverage team, I, I feel, is is really meshing well together. What did y'all think of the music? <laughs> what, the drums? I, I think it got, yeah. I think it got annoying drums. at times. Well, I, I don't think it was so much the music that bothered me. It was just that, like, it was playing while people were talking, so it was like, just kind of dull it down while people are talking, because it was almost like I don't know. I, I didn't like it at points, but didn't mind it for most of the time. Yeah, I think they could have could have used a little bit more discretion, I guess, and when they were using it. I know for me it felt overly dramatic when they were sitting down to their first their first draft. No one's won a game yet, and it's this, like, just super dramatic, tense music. I was like, eh, but I'm glad they tried it. Like, it does, the goal was to add to coverage, and I think... They can build off this and hopefully improve. I yeah. think having background music is, it, at points at least, can add a lot to the coverage. And hopefully they kind of dial it in a little bit more and use it at the right spots next time. Yep. All right. Uh, Magic Arena. So this one's for Seth, I guess. We saw full <laughs> control mode. So they played go, two Seth. games. We saw from Chion, who was just playing it normally. And then we saw from Marshall's perspective, where he went full control <laughs> So we, we got to see that. We got to see uh, we got to see searching through the library for conquistadors. We got to see scrying. Uh, what else did we see? We saw a lot of stuff on the battlefield. There were like tons of creatures and tokens. So that was kind of the new stuff that we saw from Magic Arena. What, what do you guys think? Uh, I've, I'm more all in than as all in I can be. I mean, I I think this is going to be amazing. I know that actually they started sending out emails saying that the you know the first kind of big wave of uh beta testers are going to be invited in november early november something like that so november yeah yeah so everyone started getting those emails over the weekend which i think was actually really awesome to do that during the event 
um, to kind of get people rehyped about Arena and, you know, kind of give a timetable of when people can actually get their hands on this. And, I mean, I just got to say, I, I just, I think this is going to be a really great uh, thing for the game. Um, and I don't know if you watch the little short, you know, the little short segment of uh, uh, Mero talking about, you know, what they envision this to be and kind of how they want it. They're, they're treating Arena, I mean, you know, using Mark Rosewater's words here, they're treating Arena as the digital future of the game. You know, and th- those are kind of his words. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I have to say, it did alleviate some of my concerns about actually being able to play Magic. So that's the that is the good news. <laughs> we did see the library getting surged. We saw real Magicy things happening. So that's good. I will say that the stream also like they gotta tone down the animations a bit. That's the thing I'm stuck on right now. Is I swear to God, the game took twice as long as it would have taken if they played on Moto because every common they play has to have things shooting around before it goes on the stack. If you look at Hearthstone, they have animations, but it's not every single card that's like taking five seconds to resolve because you got to have little lightning bolt shooting around. So if I get into the beta, that's the thing that I will definitely be. <laughs> I'm pretty sure on. it was slow because Marshall was in full control mode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because exactly. he had to like click six times to go through his turn where, you know, Chion just pressed the button. He was done. <laughs> so I think it was Marshall slowing down the game. But and I, and the- I think they, I, I think it was just a, in a building off what you're saying, Richard, not to cut you off that they're showing full control mode kind of they want to really slow it down yeah what was promising is so marshall sounds like he's like reed duke who puts a stop on like every single possible thing in moto and he did this kind of same thing for arena and he came away with the positive impression that he was in full control and he did everything that he wanted to do so that's the promising sign for hardcore moto users like if you want you can put a stop everywhere and do everything manually and click all your lands and, and whatnot. So he gave it the thumbs up. Uh, he's also a contractor for Watsi, so you gotta take that with a grain of salt. But I, I think he was genuinely okay with how it actually played as a hardcore, you know, Moto user. Yeah, I mean, that's the part that I definitely liked about it. It did seem like you could play real magic with it. So that's definitely encouraging. And hopefully the other stuff can be worked on. But I think, like, if full control mode is going to be an option, and it has to be an option, then you're going to run into those players, like, some meaningful percentage of the time. So that that if the goal is to be super fast like Hearthstone, doesn't even having full control mode, like, take away from that? Like, they were saying, oh, we don't want to disable animations because if your opponent has animations on, you got to sit through it anyway. But if your opponent has full control mode, it still, like, slows down the game to Moto pace and takes away from that, like, ooh, we're this super fast streaming game like Hearthstone. So I don't know. I mean, I think you have to have full control mode, but I'm I'm wondering, like, how that'll actually work out in practice. Yeah, it's going to come down to tuning the timer because even in Moto, you have that person that always uses all on their clock, like, you know, Tomer, <laughs> no matter what you do, the <laughs> game is going to end with them at five minutes, so it's, it's all slowing down. So if you put the clock short enough, it forces people to speed up. So they have to get that, yep. get that turn timer at the right amount to, you know, make it so you can actually play at 
you know, the non-slow p- play pace, whatever that is, for Magic Arena. I think overall I was pretty impressed with it. As the biggest arena skeptic of our group, I I was pretty happy with how it looked. It looked playable, and That's I don't good. think I've said that before. That's good. <laughs> I, I, you're, you're, you're slowly coming around, I think. Yeah, I, I'm I'm getting there. <laughs> Gameplay wise, I have no no worries. the 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 big yeah. question for me is your collection and you know how you acquire cards and things like that. But in terms of actually playing a game of Magic when you have two decks, it looks great. I think that won't be a problem whatsoever. I, I think, um, you know, especially you, Seth. You know, and and for people that I I, I know it's hard. That's like you've been playing MTGO this whole time. Um, that they're giving reasons to kind of and and incentives to at least try this out, you know. Uh, and I think they're going to do a really good job with it. Yeah, I mean, I'm still holding my breath on pricing on card acquisition. I mm-hmm. heard the rumor going around that there's not even an, a crafting system, and that it's going to be like Magic Duels potentially, where you literally can't craft or trade for cards, so you just open packs and have to build with whatever you open. That's, like, the only cards you can ever use. Well, if that's that's the case, that's going to be changed real fast. Yeah, that would be be game over for me, I think. So hopefully they at least have a crafting system or some way to get singles. (laughs) You might be the arena skeptic, but I think we can all agree that that would be a huge downfall. That would have to be changed through the beta. Wait, there, I yeah. don't think there'd be any way around this. Like you got to open a thousand packs to get that last <laughs> oh, that's, carnage target. That's, 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 that's not going to happen. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if that's the case. But, again, this is what the, the beta is for. Um, and I can't wait. It's gonna, I mean, it's a few weeks away. So, hopefully, I mean, they're giving out. Has I, I saw people, different emails from Hascon, the codes from Hascon, and now the co- codes from Ixalan pre-release. So, going to be getting in a, quite a few people. And they're going to have streams coming up, I think another one Wednesday, and I think there's three live events this fall where you okay. can actually demo uh, the next Pro Tour, I know, is one of them, and then a couple of GPs. So if you're interested in checking it out, those are uh, options coming up. Sounds good. Uh, last kind of final thing, uh, new logo. Just eh. randomly um, thrown in there. Eh? It looks... Uh, I'm all right. I so don't generic. Okay What's the point? I they kind of shifted the color scheme to like the planeswalker symbol and kind of just left Magic the Gathering like the silver, like cr- like this kind of chrome metallic. I, I, it's whatever to me. This is not a huge thing. Everyone's kind of making a huge thing about it. I mean, it's like it's fine. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of where you are. Like, I just don't especially <laughs> care. It doesn't jump yeah. off the page at yeah. me like, oh, my God, that's so awesome. But I'm like, eh, whatever. Just like, show me the new cards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> show me Arena and the new cards. I could care less about the Maybe if it was logo. gummy bear colored, the, the part that's red on there, maybe I'd like it more. <laughs> that is the trophy, right? The gummy bear trophy? Yeah, like the this, same image? Yeah, that's, that's the planeswalker. And there's like, uh, uh, yeah, it's simple. literally the same thing, right? The outside of it is yellow and the inside of it is red. And it's translucent. So <laughs> you, did, you did get the gummy bear. So you should be good. At the next Pro Tour or pre-release, they need to make gummy bear planeswalker symbols. And they give out like <laughs> snack packs. 
you actually like gummy bears? I haven't had gummy bears in a long time. I haven't haven't eaten them in years, but it's just Uh, packets of sugar. How can they be bad? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Moving along. (laughs) Um... Uh, really quickly, Commander ban and restricted announcement for one versus one on MTGO. It's it's a massive announcement. So they banned Brawl Chief of Compliance, Demonic Tutor, Emrakul the Eon Storm, Enlightened Tutor, Imperial Zeal, Mystical Tutor, and Vampiric Tutor. Also unbanned Yissen the Wandering Bard and Arkham Dagson. Dead format. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My um, question is: Does this do any like? Does this make you play now, or do people yes. just not care about 1v1 Commander anymore? I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because... The problem is they really need to get this right from the start. I, I just don't know with everything that's going on, I think, like with Arena and everything else. I don't know. Maybe it's... This is just me. This is like a outsider's perspective that doesn't play MTGO as much. Like, are people even still buying in this hard anyway? Like... I know you mentioned that the one versus one commander list or format hasn't haven't been firing enough as it is. I don't really know if this saves it at this point because it was such like a weird debacle starting off the format that I just think people lost interest really quickly. To be fair, this is where they really got it right. Getting rid of Baral is was like huge. So I think if there was any interest to play the format now, it's definitely now that Baral and all this stuff is gone. Because, I mean, this kind of one-versus-one French commander, kind of where they got this inspiration from and kind of followed this and made this format, they didn't really have any of those tutors anyway. And I kind of liked it like that because it really just evolved around who got more tutors and who tutors first. And, you know, I get my vampire tutor before you do, and I get my bomb before you do, and I win. So it, it just kind of eliminates that whole race to tutor first and allows kind of more diverse games to happen and brawl was just and i hate using this word but it's like a cancer it was it just it was so bad that and they didn't even ban it in french commander and people you know they got rid of emrakul the first copy and they would just they're playing like darksteel colossus they're playing emrakul the promise and like they'll play anything that they can as long as they have Baral and Polymorph and, and this stuff to be able to kind of um, utilize. So getting rid of Baral was a big thing. Uh, the, 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 form, the commander is too good. Yeah, I think the bannings themselves are great, but I kind of wonder if it's just too little, too late. Like, yeah. the only, as soon as Commander Leagues came out, I played the Baral Polymorph deck. And as soon as I played, like, one league with that, I was, and played against the Baral deck a bunch of times, too, because that's what everyone's playing. It, I, it was pretty clear that Emrakul and Brawl probably shouldn't be in the format. So I think taking six months or however long it's been to get to this point actually like really hurt the chances of 1v1 Commander actually taking off on Moto. Because now it's already to the point where people have the perception that it's kind of a dead format. And I don't know if this is going to reverse that. When if this had happened right away, then maybe we'd be having a different conversation now. Yep. That's exactly right. These bannings are kind of like the last straw for playing powerful cards. Like, when 1v1 Commander came out, it was clear you couldn't go play your janky Goblins deck or your janky Angels deck or whatever. It was a competitive format, and people were playing it. People like me were playing it because you could do crazy things. You know, you can 
a vampiric tutor for a treasure cruise a dig through time whatever like play all these like broken cards that you couldn't play in other formats and now they have slowly and surely banned all of these cards away so now you just have the singleton format that's less powerful than legacy and i i don't know why you would play this format anymore you can't really express yourself like casual commander like multiplayer commander uh, it's just high variance now that you removed all the tutors, the card draw, all the broken cards are kind of gone now, and you're just left with like singleton legacy light or something. So, so I don't know. It's just there's no reason to play this on top of the fact that other people are not playing it. It's like hard to get into. It's it just seems weird. It just seems like uh, they they were too late with these changes if they wanted this uh, to be the meta game uh, for their format. Yeah. Uh, I think that's really the conclusion because it is really fun and it's a shame uh, because I would still recommend playing it, especially after the changes. I just I just don't know what really kind of took so long. And it's it just kind of from the start, it was a huge, like there was one ban list for two formats and it was just like so weird. So I think it kind of is a little too, little too late, but good changes. I mean, they are really good changes and I'm sure they listen to this podcast because Arkham Dagson shouldn't have been on the ban list from the begin with, so they definitely listen to this podcast. That's that's good to know. We are a high uh, percentage of the total commander of 1v1 community on Moto. Because <laughs> there's just so people, few people playing. But I don't know, maybe I'll give it another shot now that uh, it's it's actually been like two or three Band announcement since I've played, so it's, I know, it's vastly I know different like a few, now. So maybe I'll yeah, I know. Try. Sorry, uh, but I do know some people still kind of tweet out about. It. I know like April plays it. I know like some other people definitely that are out there playing and tweeting about it. So you know, on social media or whatever. But maybe if, like I said, if if it's anything to bring people back to the format, it's this. So if you're feeling like you're on the fence or you just totally. Like yeah, I'm not playing this anymore. I, I would urge you to give it a try, especially with Baral being gone. That that commander was too good. Like it's sh- you can't ban the cards around it. You just need to ban Baral, and it's it was obvious because it's still going strong in French one versus one. And it's like, why didn't they just ban Baral? <laughs> I think the thing that kills me and actually really makes a format hard to play is it really caused on Moto almost exactly the same price as playing Vintage or Legacy. So if you're someone who wants that, like, powerful format fix, it makes more sense probably to just, like, buy a Tier 1 Legacy deck instead of a 1v1 Commander deck. So I think that really hurts it. I think they need to figure out a way to get the cost of the format down a little bit for it to succeed. Like, if it was a a cheaper version of Vintage or Legacy that you could still get your competitive fix in, I think we'd see more people maybe going for that, thinking it's like, oh, I can still play these really busted cards, but I don't have to spend the same amount as Vintage or Legacy. But it's just in this weird spot where, and that's what always gets me personally, is I'm like, well, I could spend $500 to buy this 1v1 commander deck, or uh, commander deck, or I could just buy like a Vintage deck, and which one would I get more enjoyment out of? So, I don't know, maybe there's a way they can bring down the cost of the 1v1 format a little bit to make it more appealing. Agree. And, again, I, just to emphasize, when people are playing Synthetic Destiny, like, just to get a, a polymorph effect, like, you know that card needs to go. So, oh, man, what a broken commander. 
Uh, I think that leads us to fish mail. Yeah, if you have questions, send them to at mtggoldfish on Twitter with the hashtag mdgfishmail, and we'll get to your questions. First question from Beely25. Moto is shut down. Modern Pro Tour is coming. Where do the pros practice? Arena? Question mark? I don't know what this is asking. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think if, they would shut down MTG... Moto without having another place to play Modern. Yeah. I think if Moto was shut down, Arena would be having Modern by that point. Yeah. And in, in the case that this does happen, they would just practice in real life in their Pro Tour testing house. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that it's the non-pros that make the Pro Tour that really need it. That don't that aren't on channel uh, channel fireball or whatever the grinder yep. type pros. Next question, MTG Greylon. What are your thoughts on Magic Worlds being the same weekend as League of Legends Worlds? <laughs> it's kind of like how yeah, they was... run the Puppy Bowl alongside <laughs> the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> that, it was ambitious for sure. I, I I don't have anything to say, but they should have I, had I a better name I... because when you search for Worlds, <laughs> Magic Worlds is not the first thing that comes up. <laughs> nope, sure wasn't. So we need a name that is uniquely... I guess we use MTG Champ as the hashtag. I don't know why. I guess it's World Championships. But yeah. maybe calling it Magic Champs or I, I don't know. What's funny is when I opened up Twitch and I saw Worlds, I was like, whoa, what? Magic got like a front like, you know, stream and it was League of Legends. So I was like, oh, figures. PJ Deichler, where is Nissa Steward of Elements? Chaz, <laughs> where did Nissa go? Our resident green I don't, I, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. I she guess just it's doesn't... uh you can't you can't ahead, protect sorry. Nissa too well. I mean, it's just like while you're trying to play Nissa to have some sort of like loyalty count that it won't die immediately. Like red is just destroying you. So don't know. Hope it comes yeah. back at some point. That's what I was gonna say too. She just doesn't protect herself well enough, and there's so many attacking decks, the energy decks, ramen on bread decks. It's really hard to play Anissa and have it live long enough to do anything right now. Sir, not in this, Phil. Subscription for Magic the Gathering Arena, I'd pay a monthly subscription fee for access to all cards. Hey, I, I've said that about MTGO. I've uh, been saying that for a long time, but I, I don't know if they're actually going to do that. I think it's going to be more of like a Hearthstone. Again, bearing like crazy rumors, I think it'll be very similar. But that that's also an avenue, too. Yeah, I yeah, actually I... want to see a research paper on this. I think you make more money off whales who spend like thousands of dollars and yep. they offset the free people than rather just averaging it out and just having everyone pay yeah. a subscription fee. But I'm sure someone's actually done a study on this and we know what the real answer is. Yeah, professionals have. And like even when you have, especially when you have other things other than the cards, right? You have like those $10 Hearthstone frames, like they're different characters or whatever, and they're golden. Like people legitimately spend $10 extra uh, than they probably would have if they just had a subscription. So, I mean. Do you. Any similar games use a subscription model? Or would this be like a unique thing? I mean, MMOs, MMOs are pretty yeah. much the only thing that are left that uses subscription. But there's some free to. There, there's some that use the other model as well, where yeah. it's free to play and you buy stuff. But a lot of them have gone free to play as well up to like a certain point or something. I don't know. But de def I think really only WoW still uses it. I think Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy subscription. Okay. But they let you buy extra stuff with money. Okay. Uh, but, you know, I would pay a lot of money for an Urza. 
corner is a character <laughs> yeah. placard thing. <laughs> yeah. When when my opponent's using like Chandra, I'm like, whatevs. Like, here's my fifty dollar Urza. <laughs> like golden animated Urza. Golden like, Urza. Just... I I would totally buy that. Yeah. Uh, Denim scum. Seth Bone Picker in blue black wins with hope sacking itself. Also thoughts on Ornithopter and Tezzeret's touch in the list. I. Th- I think the problem with Bone Picker is you need more sacrifice effects. The deck didn't even have Fatal Push to like kill an opponent's creature uh, for budget reasons. So I think you need to up the the ways to trigger Morbid to go Bone Picker. As far as Ornithopter, you could probably build an artifact-focused one with Ornithopter in Tezzeret's Touch. But generally, Ornithopter just doesn't do enough on its own. It's so bad if you don't have favorable wins that I don't think it's generally worth it. Unless you're going to go full-on like... Tezzeret's Touch, Affinity, Favorable Wins somehow. Alright, from Mint Black Lotus, what happened to cause the online price of Fatal Push to crash so hard? <laughs> they uh, just gave everyone a bunch of them. Uh, it was... I don't remember what promo it was, but running alongside the the paper promo f there were promos on Magic Online. So I think if you played in so many events or something over the month, you just got, like, two or four fatal pushes so that really upped the supply and drove down the price all right a little cheeky any chance zach elsick does video content for goldfish streaming series or otherwise Uh, a lot of people have been asking this so we're getting settled in but that's definitely something we're thinking about because everyone's asking for it uh streakist richard please add rarity somewhere on the individual card pages helpful for older cards okay we should we should add gatherer data so uh, that's something people have been asking for. It'll help you figure out what the cards do when the images are too small as well. So good good point. Uh, Gwar Lord, I've been trying the Ghost Quarter Tribal deck, and the new version is sweet. Just don't play Orb. Instead, Crucible and Sun Titan. Eh, that makes sense. Mine like Orb probably <laughs> isn't actually good enough, but Sun Titan is super sweet, as is Crucible. So I really want to build that deck with eight Ghost Quarters. Uh, strip mining people has to be one of the funnest things you can do in Modern, because no one expects to get strip mined out of the game in Modern. <laughs> uh, is he the Lizard, what are your predictions for the next three sets after Rivals of Ixalan, Soup Spaghetti Meatballs? Wait, don't we know that it's Dominaria? Or no, am I missing something? Well, when are we changing to one set blocks? Well, we're changing. I believe we're changing to whatever wizards feels like blocks yeah. between one and they three have blocks sets, and depending on. Okay. They span more than one block if they decide. So, so, but I think it's Dominaria. We know is coming up after Ixalan. Like that's been confirmed. After that, I don't know. I've heard Ravnica be thrown around as a good like twenty fifth uh. anniversary set. Another return to Ravnica because everyone loves Ravnica. So I, do. I don't know. Maybe we stick on Dominaria for like a couple a couple of sets. I, I'm not really sure. That would really be a great break. I mean, I love me some Ravnica, but I just don't think you can recapture the, the original Ravnica. The le- the the Return to Ravnica was such a letdown. Really, I like Return to Ravnica. I I, it was, was yeah, it was okay. fine. It was okay. It wasn't Maybe- the original, but. I think the limited was just really bad. Maybe that's like kind of why I just kind of had this like bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> like Dragon's Maze was horrible, uh, but I guess it was all right. Yeah, it was okay. I expect Lightning Bolt on Dominaria. That is my prediction. Ooh, that's not well. I I think we learned over the weekend that it's history themed. They said so. Take that as you will, but 
I guess that's kind of the theme of Dominaria. What does that even mean? <laughs> it's history. Uh, lightning. Red's getting makes, shock. It makes me think of Time Spiral Block, <laughs> but. Uh, no land descato. Does Seth draw the lovely thumbnail art for each video himself, or is it someone else? It's actually the exact opposite of that. Richard banned me from making thumbnails, <laughs> and we got a real artist to do them. <laughs> Adriano draws all the thumbnails, and it is a treat to see what he comes up with every single time. Uh, the Fallen 3274, why have an FNM promo if you're going to use the same art for the tokens? Thank you! Is Watson getting lazy? Yes. They, they definitely shouldn't be the same image. Like, give me something. Have all F&M promos where's the, been where's new the Jace, art? Uh, they have, right? No. No, I think that, that pirate token... I just saw that F&M pirate token. It was like the same no, no, token, No, I mean, uh, previously when we had token, uh, F&M promos of cards, they're always new art, Recently, right? yes. I think in the old, old F&M promos from like 15 years ago, they were sometimes just foil with like yeah. a squishy symbol on them, but recently they've all been new art, yeah. Recently, like the last couple of years. Yeah, five years last, or something. Last, yeah, it lasts like five years or so. But yeah, like, I remember, yeah, like, Crosan Warchief, or, so is it Warchief? Something like, like that? Like, the Lightning Bolt is original. Yeah, like, art. Lightning Bolt, like, they all had that, like, the DCI stamp, but it was the same image. Yeah, you gotta do something. I mean, just having a foil token that you can get out of a pack for an FNM promo is, like, not cutting <laughs> it. And where's the Jace token? Give us the Jace token. Well, they said on coverage that uh, if someone ultimated Jace... They just have more Jace cards to put on the battlefield. Oh. So oh. there, there is no token. It, it would just be more Jaces. So you have to buy like eight oh. Jaces in case oh. you actually ultimate. Oh. <laughs> uh, that's a shame. From Suntail Hawkins, could you do an article about evaluating decklists? I feel that it is especially relevant after Pirate Stompy. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what that means as far as, like, evaluating whether a deck is actually a real deck or not, but, uh, If you see a deck list, is it a good deck or not? Like, what what can you look at before you actually play, maybe? That could be a cool article. Next question, five down territory. If energy is going to be this prevalent going forward, is Solemnity a quality sideboard idea for white? (sighs) I think it's a tad too slow. I think the problem is with the current energy decks is while energy is important they can still just if you just draw all solemnities they still just beat you down with glory bringers and rogue refiners and scarab gods so it doesn't feel like it's just game over it's more like annoying for them so i don't think it's a horrible option but i don't think it's the answer that just shuts down an energy deck and makes it so you can't lose i I do think people will start trying it though it does pretty much blank lightning or Burst lightning. What is it? Harness lightning. Harness lightning. Harness lightning. There we go. Burst lightning. Uh, <laughs> Servant uh, of the conduit. The cub. Like those cards, pretty much are useless. Well, the problem is and the cub the, is already mana base. on the battlefield and grown by the time you get your Slimity out. True. There were so many games at Worlds where someone just played turn two cub and won the game off of like their eight. Yeah. Like I think we saw a six six or maybe even a seven seven <laughs> cub. Like it was just basically Tarmogoy if you didn't have that fatal push ready to go. Yeah. Uh, Quilted Train, has anyone on the cast checked out Eternal? Plays very close to Magic and does a lot right that you hope Arena will. I'm hearing good things about that. I, I think I might try it out at one point, but I haven't yet. I do know about it. Is that That's the one um, the pros made? Yeah, Direwolf with LSV Dire and Wolf some of the other big pros work there, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I haven't s- played it yet either, but I want to. I do too. I mean, honestly, Arena has killed all these other card games for me. With before the Arena announcement, I was just like, yeah, I want to try these card games out, see what they are, play some, <laughs> you know, play some magic-like game with an actual 2017 interface. But now that I've seen Arena, like, I no longer care about these other cards. I just want Arena. And given that the beta is in one month, hopefully I get in and I can just play Arena. So, Desi no Hey, based on the rich history of the modern format, what would you pick as the creature equivalent of Mount Rushmore? Ooh. How many phases are on (laughs) Mount Rushmore? Four? Is it four? Okay. Tarmogoyf? Yep, I agree. Nakadal? Uh, no, maybe. I, I can't. Snapcaster, Snapcaster, Mage. Snapcaster. Snapcaster oh, Mage Snapcaster's so recent, one. but I guess okay. I almost want to say Ravager. I'll take it. Okay. And I don't know. Wait, so Nicotel is really or not? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I. <laughs> you got like Glistener Elf, Splinter Twin, which is gone. That's uh, <laughs> not a creature. A Bogle. <laughs> oh, Emrakul. Emer- it's got to be Emrakul. No, Emrakul is not really the face of modern, though, I don't think. I think it's Snapcaster, Tarmo, Glistener Elf. The Bob's kind of gone away. And Ravager. I would have Emrakul on mine over... That would be my third, the Nakato slash Glistener Elf slot. I would have Emrakul there. Otherwise, I think Emrakul is ahead of Grizzlebrand. I think think Zoo is so iconic. You gotta have Nakato in there. Or like Curd Ape or something. You gotta have something that represents Zoo. It's been such a big part of modern. Goyf kind of does, though, right? Doesn't Goyf fill that slot somewhat? Oh, Goblin Guide. Goblin Guide. Format Uh, staples. Goblin Guide's a good one. Here we go. Here's your Mount Rushmore. Snapcaster Mage, Thought Not Seer, Street Wraith, and Noble Hierarchy. Thought Not Seer, Death Street Shadow. Street Wraith is great since Street Wraith is never an actual creature. Oh, all right. Reality Smasher. There you go. Oh, Walking Ballista. That's a good one. Uh, it's probably time. Maybe, maybe birds. Birds might birds deserve, paradise. Oh, birds. deserve a shout out. Oh, I want someone to do this now. I want someone to draw <laughs> Magic Mount Rushmore. All 4-0 Drazi. <laughs> Literally all 4-0 Drazi and a Ballista. Thought Not Seer, Reality Smasher, Walking Ballista, and Matter Reshaper should be the, the Mount Rushmore. <laughs> that was a good question. Uh, that was a really was good, a good question. One. I like that Next one. question. V guess S. Do you think energy is too strong of a mechanic and warrants drastic actions from Watsi, or is there another solution? Definitely too strong, uh, and I don't think the hate cards are doing enough. But the thing is, I mean, they really kind of ban the pay, like the real payoff card for energy. Like, it would be really weird to like just straight up ban like cup or something like that. Like, how do you do that? Yeah, I mean, yes, I agree that it's too strong. As far as action, I don't know what action you take. Rogue Refiner, maybe? But I don't think we're to the point where we need a banning yet. No. If we're still talking about this after Rivals of Ixalan, and that doesn't make Ixalan playable at all, and we still are at the same place, then maybe we can have this conversation. But I think it's way too early to talk about drastic action yet. All right, that one, Okazaki, what's the one card you think shouldn't be played as much as it is in any format? Hmm. Hmm. What's an overrated card? What is an overrated card? Um, I, I really don't know. That's a great question. I, I have no idea. Yeah, this is a really good question. And I don't have one that just pops into Well, really quickly, either. top 10 modern cards overall. Path, Bolt, 
visions. Ooh. Maybe seven visions. Path. Path. I think Path is. Yeah. I actually really hate Path to Exile, and a lot of people Thought claim sees. it as the reason to play White. And I actively try to not play Path to Exile. I'll play like a condemn <laughs> over Path it's, to Exile. Like it's why you play Jund over Junk. I, I just that one land you give them hurts so much if it turns you know one to three. It's only in the late game that it doesn't matter, and I'd I'd pay one more mana. So with Fatal Push. <laughs> With Fatal Push and Lightning Bolt, you don't have to lean as heavily on Path. So I think playing four Paths is wrong if you have access to the other colors to play the one-mana removal spells. Top top card played in Modern. Yeah, Path never really w- did it for me either. I mean, it's like a necessary evil sometimes, but... Oh, man. Doesn't suck. <laughs> T-Rocket. What Planeswalker would you like to see printed? If you were a Planeswalker, what colors abilities would you have? Are there any planeswalkers that we know of that don't have a card besides like Urza? <laughs> I'm not sure anymore. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, not sure a lore either. I'm not a lore expert. I think like the last real one that was around and people were really upset at and that never had a card was like Kiora, Kiora, whatever her name is. Koira. Kiora. Uh, but other than that, I can't remember anymore. All right. So my choice is Tybalt. Tybalt needs to <laughs> yeah. come back as Tybalt of the Veil or something and be a modern staple to wash away his uh, his two-mana self because he has such a bad rap, but apparently he's fighting Soren and stuff in the story and dual decks, so he's apparently a very strong planeswalker, but his two-mana self didn't do him justice. So I want to see broken, super-pushed, and forced have to ban from standard Tybalt. <laughs> I kind of want to see Elspeth resurrected. I yeah. enjoyed every Elspeth Planeswalker card that I think was ever printed. I like them all, so I was pretty sad that she's apparently dead or something along those lines. What so, colors will she be when she comes back? Ooh, hopefully white-blue white, white. so we can draw cards <laughs> with her. Uh, that would make no sense. <laughs> yeah, That would be sweet, a black-white uh, walker version of Elspeth. Make zombie soldier tokens. <laughs> I'm going with, like, the redemption route Richard went. I really wish Arlen Cord comes back at one point, and it's not horrible. I really love that card. I was so high on it, it just literally went nowhere. Tibalt, too. Tibalt re- deserves a redemption story. Make one mana Tibalt. <laughs> <laughs> or make it just a three-mana Tibalt that's, like, genre. good. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> It just has one negative one ability, <laughs> enters with one loyalty ability, and it's lightning bolt text. What if it was one mana, it had two loyalty, and it had just a minus one lightning bolt? That it. would probably be too good, right? Like, that would be modern if you, if you burn staple. It. I guess if you're on yeah. the play, it's way too good. Yeah, it's you, just like six, yeah, it's just for, six one. for one. Yeah, okay, never mind. It's, yeah. it's like a goblin <laughs> yeah, guide. Yeah. That never happened. <laughs> All right, that's all our questions. Thank you, everyone, for sending in your questions. So remember, send them to the, uh, at MTGGoldfish with the hashtag MTGFishMail. All right, folks, that is going to about do it for this week. It's about that time. Gentlemen, great cast. Uh, that is going to do it for this week. So this is going to be the MTG Goldfish crew signing out. We will see you all next time. Mm-hmm.